Hello and welcome to a special episode of Super Saturdays, a comic book media podcast where we rank media by its story, impact, and visuals to figure out if these projects stand the test of time. In today's episode, we're live from my car. And who am I, <laughs> might you ask? I'm Damon A. And on the side of me is... A homeless, sleeping in the back of the car, Jay Hayward. Reminding you that each episode, we are going to be focusing on your favorite comic books, TV shows, and movies. And as Damon said, we are in his fucking car <laughs> right now. Uh, because he's around uh, our part of, t- part of town. And uh, he's just been hanging out for a little bit. And he was like, let's record the episode in the car. Because uh, we are recording this super late than we usually do <laughs> uh, in the week. Uh, but anyway, this 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 is rambling on forever and ever. This this isn't why you're here. You're here to talk about all the all the cool shit, right? All, all about the times when we take you back. Well, don't worry, we're taking you back to the '80s, a time where the monthly rent average three hundred and twenty dollars. Really? The cost of a gallon of gas on average ninety one cents. And the average price for a new car was around $7,983. No, All of these are, of course, American USD. Wow. Wild, wild time. <laughs> and we're just going to keep getting poorer and poorer as these prices get higher and higher. But again, you're not here for any of this stuff. You're here for Spider-Man. Amazing Spider-Man number 229, to be exact. All right, Damon, I've been rambling too long. Episode 11 of the podcast. Let's get on with the show. As you guys may know, I love me some Spider-Man, and we are doing one of my new favorite issues, Spider-Man number 229. It came out in 1982, written by Roger Stern. Jay, do you know what was happening in the comic book world when this book came out in 1982? I actually found a couple of really cool bits of knowledge here. The first one, I'm going to get out of the way. You're going to find interesting. I found it interesting, too. People at home are going to find it interesting, of course. Okay. This was when uh, we saw in New Teen Titans number 16 uh, the insert previewing an upcoming Captain Carrot and his amazing Zoo Crew series by Roy Thomas and Scott Shaw was plugged in. Wasn't Captain Carrot the super rabbit? Yes, he was. Yes, he was. And his uh, bunch of like super animal barnyard, like animal friends. Like their own like little like Justice League group or whatever the fuck I don't know. Uh, I also, think he got murdered. What? I, I think the if I'm zoo not crew. Like, yeah, you know. But during Rebirth, there was like this little Superman multiversity event or whatever, and all the different Superman across the universe was there. I don't know if Captain Carrot made it out. I think he might have. I don't know. That's scary. He could have been murked. My praise are going out to him, Captain, and the entirety of his zoo crew. I hope you're okay, Captain Carrot. Uh, this was also the debut for V, for V Vendetta in uh, Warrior Number One. V, of course, being the character made by Alan Moore and David Lloyd. 
which went on to be made into the V for Vendetta movie that I, I'm sure we've talked about a couple of times on here, at the very least during our uh, tier list episode back in Valentine's Day. Flashback to that episode, guys. And, you know, honestly, I had no idea that V was a character outside of V for Vendetta. Well, it, no, this is uh, V for Vendetta, but it wasn't released on its own. It oh, was okay. in um, a variety comic called Warrior Number 1. So it was a warrior comic, I guess, or whatever. And he was uh, the first issue of V for Vendetta because it released in several issues over the span, I think, of a year and a half or two years or something. Hmm. Anyway, he his first uh, ever comic was uh, released in that. And I think that's when he blows up the old Bailey. Or no. No, it's the Houses of Parliament. In the very first comic, he blows up the Houses of Parliament, which is where the movie ends. Movie ends with him planning to blow up the House of Parliament, but he's already done it. Shit. At this point, yeah. Or, uh, yeah, no, it's the House of Parliament or Old Bailey or fucking Big Ben or whatever. I don't even remember, but I'm pretty sure it's the House of Parliament. Anyway, really wild first issue, but that's the stuff that I found out around this time. What about you, Damon? You know, I actually did my homework for this, but then I lost the notes. No! Yeah, so honestly, you know what, guys? Damon dropped the ball. How are you going to beat Captain Carrot and the zoo crew anyway? You know, points. I did kind of peak the episode already about like four four minutes in. Honestly, 100%. I got a question for you, though. What was your first introduction to Juggernaut and Madden Web? (laughs) That's a great... I thought you were just going to ask me about the Juggernaut, bitch. I love the Juggernaut. Oh shit! You beat me to making. He's the Juggernaut. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm I was gonna make that off. joke sooner. I really was. For real? Yeah, I was gonna make it like a little bit later. Oh, but just a little too slow when you got me in the car, baby. I guess <laughs> so. I, I guess so. Yeah, my my first uh my first introduction to the Juggernaut, bitch. Um, oh my goodness. <laughs> I'm trying to think of like a sola like a solidified time. Was it X three? Seen him? Probably. It probably was the first time I actually like consumed anything with him mm-hmm. but i had owned when i was a kid a juggernaut toy oh okay now and again i've brought it up several times now but i really wasn't into comics as a kid for some reason though i was into toys and superhero toys mm-hmm. i wasn't even a huge superhero fan but i thought they just they looked cool they just looked like fun characters to play with so i ended up with a juggernaut toy i don't know if it was a hand-me-down or if i was a little kid and I, it was one of those I begged my mom for it kind of deals, and she was like, I don't get it, whatever, he's not going to get it, whatever. Um, but that that was, like, the first thing I remember of ever seeing the Juggernaut. So when I finally saw him in, like, comics and TV shows and, like, whatever, I've always, like, thought back to the toy. So I think maybe my first time ever seeing him was probably X3 okay. or from... Uh, one of the various different types of videos that you probably had sent me over the past about the X-Men and other characters. Uh, so probably one of those two, whichever whichever came first. But I think both were around the time when I also was starting to get to know you. So also just probably you. Okay. <laughs> hey, all right. <laughs> like, for real. All right, all right. What about Madam Web? Madam Web is uh, <laughs> also probably you, but also the Spider-Man Broadway show. Whoa, I, Jay, I honestly expected you to bring up the 90s animated series. I didn't think you were going to say something about Turn Off the Dark. Yeah, yeah. Um, she, she's in that? Well, it's not her, but there is like a spider goddess woman 
that is the whole like part of the like have you never seen under the dark no we definitely have to bring that up on the podcast we have to do I've seen a lot of people talk about it like after some years and they're saying, you know, it wasn't as bad as people were saying it was when it came out. And I'm curious, like I'm curious about a couple of things. However, I'm taken aback that there there was a a villain called the swarm. That was just a fucking collection of bees and shit. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And there was a guy that was like forks or whatever. I don't recall that, but he probably was there. Yes. I think it would be really fun because I've definitely found the show a good number of times in uh, in local slime tutorials. That's what I'll call them on YouTube. Damn. That's all I'll, I'm legally allowed to say on that. Yes, hypothetically. Uh, I, yes. Jay does not pirate things hypothetically. If, if that was the case, we don't do that no. here on no, Super Saturday. anything, I'm a privateer. Yeah, there we go. Exactly. It's a lot more um A step away from a musketeer. Man, no, never mind. I kind of want to be a Mouseketeer, bro. That movie was awesome. I, Damon, I don't want to know when you first saw Juggernaut or Man of My Boat. I, don't, I want to know the first time you saw the Musketeers, actually. <laughs> oh, gosh. But, you know, my first time seeing Juggernaut, though, would mm-hmm. have to be Spider-Man and His Amazing Friends, uh, a show from the 80s, but, like, they play it in syndication. Uh, they play it in syndication or whatever, and there's an episode where it kind of adapted this story a little bit, but the difference was there was, like, no death and high stakes. It was Spider-Man's friends, his amazing friends, were out of town fucking kicking it with the X-Men. Oh, like Captain Carrot? And, and his zoo crew? <laughs> what, were, what were the super friends that Spider-Man was with? Do you remember their names? They both were mutants. It was Firestar and Iceman. And the third one, you're forgetting, Howard the Duck. No. Um, and they were, like, kicking it with the X-Men, and Spider-Man was left to just, like defeat the juggernaut and it kind of was like an adaption of this almost a little bit i think that was my first introduction i would also say my one of my first comics ever got was like this little like marvel adventures comic book that was like dedicated towards kids and the juggernaut was like one of the villains in there um but i would say those are my first introductions now madam web though Mm. my first introduction was the 90s spider-man animated series because i remember i would like rent the freaking dvd that had like four episodes on there and she was in it and, you know, it took me until, like, two years ago, two, three years ago, to find out that Stanley's wife, that Stanley's wife voiced Madam Web. Whoa, wait, really? Yeah, she was the voice of Madam Web in that show. Oh, no kidding. Talk about your ultimate Lee cameo, huh? Yeah, and she did a really good job. I didn't, I wouldn't have thought that at all. Uh, but those are my introductions to the characters. Now, you know, before we dive in, let's do more of a basic summary of what the story was. So, The Amazing Spider-Man issue 259, oh wait, 229, details the first iteration interaction between the Juggernaut and Spider-Man in an epic showdown that carries across two issues. For the sake of this episode, Soups, we're just doing the first issue in the two-issue storyline. This story also features the death of Madame Webb. It's written by Roger Stern and art by John Romita Jr. Now, I need to know what your thoughts are on both Stern and John Romita Jr. Because those are probably like the two most heard names, I think, I'd ever heard you like talk about when we were in high school and stuff. Like I, I, Those two names popped up all the time. Personally, I love John Romita Jr.'s art. Um, I liked his stuff from like the 80s when he first started around and even like his early stuff and then when he got more of his own style 
it became a lot more blockier and cartoonier. I think it was at its peak in the early 2000s, but like after his peak, I feel like it's getting a little sloppy. And I've noticed that like when it comes to artists as they age, it's either they still got it or they like aren't as like good as they used to be. Mm-hmm. But he still is a legend. Roger Stern, he's still writing things today. And I gotta say, I really enjoy Roger Stern. Um, recently, actually, I bought the omnibus that has like, his entire run, and I've been reading it. I'm almost done with it. I can confirm it's in this car, and it almost crushed my knees yeah. <laughs> during the car ride. <laughs> it was a it was a big ass book. <laughs> it's okay. it is huge. He's a very interesting person, and I feel like a lot of it's always interesting to figure out what the writer who writes Spider Man's mindset when it comes to writing the character and how they depict the character. Uh, you know. Surprisingly, Roger Stern didn't think that Peter and Mary Jane should get married. No kidding, he was one of those people. He didn't. He didn't agree with it. And the thing, the, his reasoning behind it, is that he felt like him and Mary Jane make better friends and better like foils in their friendship. Because um, he always felt as though she would never take him being serious when it came like take you know relationship serious enough for that type of stuff. Uh and it's kind of apparent in the book, but like he still writes Mary Jane with a lot of respect, and he still kind of plays with the idea of them having a relationship because there's an issue where she comes back after being gone for a while, uh, in the Spider-Man comics. Because previously, she uh, he proposed to her, and she said no. Ah, oh, so heartbreak. Yeah, but this issue in particular that we're gonna like, go over and everything is one of. He, the quintessential Spider-Man issues. Uh, Stern, honestly, his biggest thing about writing these stories is that he came up with the Hobgoblin. He also introduced a lot of things Spider-Man-wise. He revitalized the Black Cat relationship with Peter Parker and Spider-Man. Uh, and then he also made another famous book called The Kid Who Collects Spider-Man. You know what that book's about, Jay? Is it about the kid that collects Spider-Man? You're not wrong. Uh, oh, let's go. Sprinkling, sprinkling a little cancer, though. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. Does the boy have cancer? He does. The boy has cancer. Yeah, I'm two for two. Yeah, let's go cancer. Yes. I'm fucking I'm up there. Looking for a new that, co- that, 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 looking Not for a sound great uh, out of context. Looking for a new cause, everybody. <laughs> looking for a new cause. Uh, but jokes aside, though, uh, yeah, the kid collects Spider-Man and his whole hobgoblin situation. Uh, but before I get ahead of myself, Jay. Yeah, you ready to dive into this, Dave? What were your initial thoughts on this book? My initial thoughts on the book? Yeah. Uh, to be honest with you, it, it still doesn't really hit me that this is a significant book to spider-man as a character to me i think it, it, it's it's a bit well what do i think i guess it's something where i think it's a little silly not not in the sakes where i feel so the story was a little over the top or anything like that but i guess next to the next the issue that comes after this and you were telling me a bit about it too and and i remember flipping through it because i i had not read it but it is a lot more action-packed and you do feel a lot more what is it? What would you put it as? Honestly, I'd say tense. Uh, like, I feel like for this book, the tenseness started picking up towards the end. Like, the middle of the end is where the book was like, it hooked me in. Like, it was like, okay, yeah, shit's hitting the fan. Spider-Man's getting desperate to save Madam Web. She's going to die if he doesn't do anything. 
I would say it just got more ramped up as time went on. Uh, at first, the book was kind of very comedic. Like, honestly, I was just laughing at a lot of different parts. But ultimately, I would say it was a pretty, like, decent story. Um, But, you know, let's dive into this right here. Once we start out, we see this cool splash page. It's like a, it's a dream. There's a dark, big black figure who has horns, looks like a devil. And there's this interesting narrowing, narr- uh, narration. It says, dark one, smashing everything. A spidery champion springs into action, but it's too late. Like I said, interesting splash page. The dark one has like devil horns and shit. And they're fighting over and over again. The champion ultimately falls by the dark one. And at that moment, Madden Web awakens around all of this circuitry. And uh, shit. The dream really warped uh, interpretation of Spider-Man here. He's jumping around in a big old purple suit. And he has like a big old spider on him, at least on my copy. Is this this match your copy too? Yeah, no, he's supposed yeah. to have that, yeah. He, what What is with the big old like spider on top of him deal? I mean, I think it was like a, it was the fact that it was a, like a dream and it was like overly exaggerated because even the juggernaut didn't look like the juggernaut. He looked like a, he had devil horns and. He, right. Yeah, yeah. No, he, he, he was a big old like silhouetted figure, devil horns. Like I get that. But Spider-Man was here, purple, blue suit. That's fine. There was a spider overlaid on top of him, which it just kind of looked like um, like if you went into Photoshop and you just put like a PNG of a spider on top of him. That's how it looked. And then he's got his toes, his little footsies. He's got know, special I, shoes. He had toes? I, I didn't notice that. He had that. toes. Spider-Man's got toes. Oh, God. He's got, he's got human feet. I mean, I guess I guess he always got human feet, but they're like usually like boots. I'm not supposed to see them tootsies running around over. I didn't notice that. But you know what? Honestly, like looking at it from like a modern like lens or whatever, I'm thinking about how like in the early 2000s when they did more shit to Spider-Man, when um, JMS got on the book, he kind of like added spider totems and magical shit to spider-man that still is there which is also kind of the reason why we have spider-verse see that's why we also had spider-man on broadway is because of shit like that possibly we keep getting too weird and mythical and magical with spider-man i don't i I don't like like magical shit connected to spider-man i really don't not really me neither yeah I, i i don't know i'm in between on it um i was looking at it through a modern lens the fact that he's just giving them piggies out for free Spider-Man with an OnlyFans? Oh my goodness! You know how many people will be on top of that? But but you know what? In all honesty, I feel like in today's age, Peter's poor as fuck. So yeah, he probably would consider having OnlyFans. That that'd be the beginning of his Wiki Feet page. Is right here in this dream sequence, oh Damon, god. with the purple toes. Oh gosh. Sorry, I don't know why I'm, why I'm so stuck on that. I was like, that is just such a weird design choice. No, it's good. <laughs> Okay, so Madam Web wakes up, and she's around all of this, like, circuitry and shit. And I was just sitting there wondering, like, how long did it take for this to draw, like, draw? Probably not super long, I'm going to be honest with you. It, it looked really, like, intricate and detailed and shit. It does. It, it, a lot of the, the line art, the, the penciling, the shading, really brings everything together. But one thing for me is, is uh, one thing I think that's also just as important as that, of that art is also, uh-huh. like, the panels. How you use their panel art to get everything across near the beginning and the end of this I feel as though the comic did really well most of the time though it felt as though it was stuck on like a particular grid 
and I know that a lot of these comics earlier on were probably stuck to like certain types of like grid pages and stuff, but it felt like super uniform in comparison to other comics that we had read before. Do you get that feel at all? Yeah, I kind of got that feeling with this. Um, again, like the beginning here, like like with what you were talking about, the very beginning, like like they go nuts when in the, uh, they're doing full pages or half a page, quarter page, you know. But for the most part, it felt as though that they were doing very standard like panel use. Yeah, it's interesting because like I'm I'm glad you actually mentioned that because, um. Marvel at the time and DC, they had more of like a house type of style. Artists had to draw a certain way. Like Spider-Man, Spider-Man and his characters had to look like how Ramita Sr. drew the character in the 60s onwards. And um, same goes for like other characters and whatnot. And it looks, it seemed like they kind of broke out of that house style in like the mid to late 80s when like McFarlane got on Spider-Man and then other people started getting on different characters and whatnot. But it even went into like the paneling and shit like that too so yeah like honestly i'm glad that you brought that up because i wasn't thinking too much of it but like as someone who doesn't read comics as much it's interesting that you like uh thought about that so we move forward and she pulls out a phone instantly calls spider-man instantly I yeah, don't it's a big old like matrixy like cyber phone yeah it's like all like sharp and like jagged but it's also like very like sci-fi and shit yeah so peter walks up he wakes up out of his sleep he answers the phone and before he can say anything madam webb is like spider-man i need your help at this moment i was thinking if i woke up in the middle of my night and if i woke up in the middle of the night and someone randomly called me and i have a lot of ops on my end and they say spider-man i need your help I'm hanging up that damn phone. Because who the fuck are you calling me? And you know who I am. Yeah, but doesn't doesn't Peter know Madam West? Madam West. Madam <laughs> Adam West's <laughs> wife. Madam West. Madam West. Okay, guys. Um, doesn't he know Madam <laughs> Webb's voice, though? Cause I mean... Because it, it's clear that they, they know each other prior to this. True, but, like, at first in the book, he even says that, like, wait, who is this? And yeah, then, he, he says the he says the funniest shit too at the beginning of this is like I wonder someone called me in the middle of the night I wonder if one of it, my villains have found out who I am. He sure did say that shit. He a weird sure fucking did. thing to think of straight away. It's not like oh, oh my gosh. maybe it's like fucking eight o'clock in the morning, which it is. It's like seven eight o'clock in the morning when he finds out. Maybe someone's just calling me. <laughs> hey, and then you know it's even weirder because like right when he answers the phone. He actually does say what you, what you were saying or what I was saying, whatever. And he basically is like, uh, he basically is like, uh, well, actually, no. Madam Webb, she then starts barking orders and she's basically telling him, uh, <laughs> oh, God, I'm sorry. She's talking about how she needs help. Mm. Right when he answers the phone, he's like, uh, what? And he actually asks, like, who is this? And before he could finish his, sa- his sentence, Madden Webb says, have you quickly forgotten the voice of Madden Webb? Damn. Okay. She said, bitch, you better listen. See, that's what I'm saying. So then she then says, someone will come for me within the next 24 hours. Um, And she doesn't know who it is yet. But he will keep her. Po- but she will keep him posted. How do you not know? It's up. big old silhouette guy, devil horns. It could have been the Hulk. It could have been Mephisto. Who knows? Could have been the thing. No. Yeah. No, not that big. It could have been Stan Lee. 
no. himself. It could have been. It could have been him. Could have been. Could have been. Could have been Madam West. It could have been the disguise. abomination. It could, could have been, been the abomination. Could have been Howard the Duck. Again with the duck. Yeah, man. I'm gonna keep bringing it up. We still haven't done Howard the Duck yet on this show. And we will soon at some point. Not soon enough. All right. <laughs> okay, so we then go someplace else. There's a boat on the shore of New York, and it is a pirate on the ship. His name is Black Tom Cassidy. So he is, like, legit a pirate? Yes. Like, he's legitimately a pirate. I've, I've he, never he, heard he, of Black Tom Cassidy. He's a pirate dude-type guy. He's an X-Men character. He's an X-Men pirate? Yes. What is his power? I really forgot. <laughs> power to be a pirate. Honestly, if you guys are curious, uh, check out um, J.M. Miles explaining the X-Men. They have a whole episode talking about Black Tom Cassidy. What do you remember about Black Tom Cassidy, then? I remember that him and Juggernaut have a really good friendship, like a really cool friendship, <laughs> and people ship them. Wait, like like past this comic? Yes, past and prior. No kidding. Like, even now to this day, like, they're still homies? To this day. That is that is sick. I didn't expect that. What an unlikely pair. Yeah, they have a really good friendship though. That's 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 a funny part. Why is that? Um, I'm pretty sure there's some history as to why, but I feel like it's mainly because Juggernaut, like Juggernaut, is like an asshole, but he is he primarily just cares for himself. Mm. Like, don't fuck with me, I won't fuck with you. That's the type of vibes he is. He has. Uh, I think Tom Black Tom Cassidy like looked out for him a while back and they become became friends ever since. Okay. Okay. I could be wrong though. Soups, correct me if I'm wrong. So, Black Tom Cassidy, he's then pondering on how they can kidnap Madam Webb because they need a telepath on their crew, on their team. So, as he's pondering this, instantly just fucking the door breaks open and shit <laughs> and it's just the fucking juggernaut is right there on the boat. I was like, "Okay, no time wasted. Juggernaut only understands chaos and destruction." That is the one thing that stays consistent every time he's on the page. You know, I don't blame him. At least he he's him. Yeah. Yeah, I, I guess. Shit, I will say, though, if it would have been me, I would have just pissed my pants. That's scary. That, that would have scared the fuck out of me. I'm in here having a deep thought on, like, how to best do my evil shit. Yeah, you're Next you're, thing you're, you know, boom. Pirate corridors doing evil pirate, cord, like, X-Men shit. Exactly. Exactly. And on top of that, Black Tom Cassidy, when I say, guys, he's a pirate, he speaks with, like, pirate accent and everything. And it's fucking great. So, you know, he comes in there, and then the juggernaut says, I'm going stir-crazy. I need something to do. And Tom, Black Tom Cassidy says, I told ye. <laughs> is, is this is this your Black Tom Cassidy impression? Are we about to see it here? No, I'm not doing the first, accent. We're not getting the first Damon, like, impression on the show. They Episode already, 11. This is a big deal. They already got me doing a British accent once by accident. So we're not Come doing that. That's you it. have it written down? You have it written down? I'll do it. I don't got if the If you whole have the thing. quote, you ain't got it. No, Aww. I don't got it. I would have done it. Oh, gosh. So, you know, he then tells them about how they, heal, how they need to retrieve Madam Webb. Uh, and then he's telling her where she's at. So, next thing you know, Juggernaut jumps off the ship. So fucking metal. Also, I, I will say, did not tell him. Where she is. Oh, he didn't. He just has the address. He even says it as he jumps off the boat, as oh. he destroys part of the boat while doing so. He's like, leaps off, and he tells him, like, don't worry, I got an address. And then a homie just fucking walks through the water, Pirates yeah. of the Caribbean style. Yeah, he probably learned it from before. Black Tom Cassidy. Possibly. No, Black Tom Cassidy looked shocked. He was like, oh, okay, okay. 
Especially because he even said, hey, we dock in 15 minutes, and Juggernaut was like, fuck that shit. I'm about to go right now. I'm going to take 25 minutes instead, walking through the water. No, thank you, Black oh, Tom God, Cassidy. I bet you it did take 25 minutes. Yeah, it would have taken fucking forever. He's large and heavy. Underwater. And he's just walking underwater, yeah. Yeah. And then on top of that, I think Spider-Man makes a joke about him being slow, too. So, shit. All right. So, we then get to the Daily Bugle. We then meet Jonah's new secretary, Glory Grant. Uh, Peter's there. They are flirting it up. Glory then realizes, oh, Peter's sad. I'm assuming it's about some girl. She's Jonah's secretary. Robbie then comes in and tells uh, Pete that he's been busy and everything. And, you know, so Peter's just trying to figure out if he can get some work. Robbie then tells him, mm, you would have work, but Lance Bannon has been, hasn't been busy unlike you. So Lance Bannon has been getting all the work. At this point in continuity, Lance Bannon is kind of like Peter's rival. Uh, kind of like how they make Eddie Brock usually in like the shows and movies and stuff kind of deal. A little bit, I would say. Like, um, I kind of like Lance, though. He's pretty cool. He's, like, basically, if Peter was able to take his photography more seriously, he could be in the shoes of Lance Bannon, and Peter even feels that way a couple of times in some issues. So what character does he inevitably turn into? Nobody. What? He gets married. Wow. He actually gets to live a normal life? Yeah. That's not very often in these Marvel comics. And he's not really, a sh- like, he's annoying, but he's not really a shitty person. No, he's just like an overall just chill dude. Just just knows the grindstone, heavy worker, could be a douche. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so yeah, just just a dude. That's awesome. Yeah, not, he, can be, he can be a douche though, yeah. So. Not often you get that in a in a Marvel comic for sure. Also, is this the first time, I can't remember, was Robbie in the Rhino episode that we, yes, like our was. first episode? Okay, I was going to say, because I just wanted to point out again, I probably pointed out in that episode, I fucking love Robbie every time. I read something with him, or he's in, like, a show or a movie. Just every time he's cast and he's fun, and I enjoy seeing him around. That's I love a, Robbie. Love Robbie. We love, we stand Robbie here at Super Saturdays. We sure do. So next thing we know, Betty Brant, she arrives <laughs> in. She's been gone for a while. See, this is the shit I'm saying real quick. Glory Grant, Betty Brant. Like, I get it. Like, I know I know everyone's brought this shit up forever. Who brought it up? I'm confused what you're talking about, what you're getting at, Jay. Well, just, like, the alliteration all the time and people's names in Marvel. Jay, I think you're going crazy. What are you... There's no alliteration you're there. You're fucking with me. I sure am. <laughs> you kidding? <laughs> oh, gosh. All right. So, Betty arrives in there. She's been gone for a while. Ned and her have patched things up. And Betty is, you know, back as Robbie's secretary. Cool. Good job. Got her job back. Great. Where did she go exactly again? Like, after leaving the Bugle? Uh, so what had happened is that she left the Bugle a little bit after marrying Ned Leeds. Uh, in the meantime of them marrying and her, like, leaving, getting another job or whatever, she came back for a little bit because she was um, debating on leaving him. And she was trying to spark up a relationship with Peter again. It didn't really fall through. She rekindled things with uh, Ned, and they went off and, you know, lived and whatever. And now she's back because they decided to move back to the city. And this is Ned Leeds prior to the eventuality when he will become Hobgoblin in one of these movies. This is prior to him being murdered in the Spider-Man Wolverine book and prior to him being, like, uh, what's the word, framed of being the Hobgoblin. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Little little bit of a little bit of history there. Yes, yes. All right. 
So we're going on here, and then I'm, I, you know, I was kind of taken aback. Peter and Betty were just flirting. After she just said her and him, her and her husband are fine. I, mm, Peter, you dirty dog. Peter always been a ladies' man somehow, some way. I I thought this was when the dialogue was getting really fun though too. See, I love it. I loved it, and then I liked all the little like just notes and everything. I think that's one of the reasons why I like Roger Stern stuff because he does Spider-Man supporting cast so well, and I think. That's the one thing I think the movies kind of like are fault like falling on is that like a supporting cast is great is if you know how to use them. So, but yeah, no, nah, especially when like Glory mentioned, uh, she basically mentioned what I was thinking. She was like, "Oh, didn't Betty and Peter have like a little thing back in the day?" In her internal monologue. So hey, all right. So you know, Peter then gets a call from someone at the Bugle, and it's just. It's Madam Webb. She then tells him the Battery Park, the guy's going to be there, needs to be stopped, and that's it. Gets off the phone. Spider-Man does the typical Spider-Man thing where he leaves suddenly, and everyone's like, where is that Peter Parker going off to again? That rat scallion, nothing ever changes. Exactly. And, you know, I've put something in my notes that, like, I like the fact that, like, Peter, well, yeah, Peter and Spider-Man or whatever, I loved how... He didn't really care or know who he was stopping. All he knows is that Madam Web needs his help, and he's just quick to go. He, that's that re- blind use of responsibility. That That's something um, that I feel as though is like a huge crutch for the Spider-Man character. Though I, I, I enjoy and love Spider-Man. I love when using his own morals and, and, and his ideals, kind of like the same way how it happens with Batman, mm-hmm. but it happens in a in a different way entirely the way how spider-man does it because he can be so headstrong or at sometimes he can be very arrogant mm-hmm. or uh overconfident in situations where he's not really thinking through as to what kind of situation can be put in front of him but because he has that feeling of i must be that justice or be that person there to help others who are in need of me um is both noble and very foolish for a young character. Like, like it's very, it's just very believable the way how they portray it in Spider-Man as a character than say how sometimes it's shown for Batman or Superman. Exactly. And I like how, um, the responsibility, it's like, it, it, it can get annoying at times, but the way that they go about it, it's like, okay, yeah, no, I believe that this is who he is. Um, does Peter rag on himself a little too much? Hells yes. But I think that's what makes it really human because there's times where we do find ourselves racking our brain on things that we fucked up and everything. Um, But, you know, so he's off. We then see that the Juggernaut has arrived ashore on Manhattan Island. And at this moment, I was like, damn, this comic is really showing its age because the Juggernaut is having his internal monologue. And then he tells us <laughs> who he is and just throws his little origin story. And it's like, bitch, who are you talking to? Are yeah. you just like talking to like the voices in your head? Or just you? briskly walking through Central Park. Also made it from the dark, from the dark, from the docks to Central Park super quickly. Exactly. Like it was like two panels later. He's already there. And he's talking about, uh, what was it? Some... Oh, geez, I was just looking at it. Some, uh... The stone of Ciderac? Yeah, yeah, some mm-hmm. stone. What What is the stone of... That's how he got his powers. Right, but where does it, like, come from? Um, it is... The stone of Ciderac is a 
stone that was found in like an archaeological dig and he stumbled across it and that's what gave him the powers and everything like that is it really all there is to it or i believe so it's not something where i was like oh magneto planted it there no. from some time machine thing or whatever or some strange modoc device nope it was just you know something just some rock just some rock i mean a magical rock Okay, that's true. Big old magical rock for yeah. big old magical boy. Yeah, I mean, big old magical rock. And then on top of that, it also helps that the juggernaut is Professor Xavier's stepbrother. Oh, that's right. I forgot yeah. about that little tidbit, too. Mm-hmm. All right, so we're about to ring the bell. Spider-Man is on the fucking scene. And Spider-Man is just pondering, like, who the fuck could it be? Who am I about to fight? He's assuming it's the Submariner because Madam Web told him that he's coming from the water. And then he's like, okay, you know what? Mm, I don't know. I don't think this is the Submariner because he seems a little pissed and he's doing all this type of stuff. He kept bringing up Submariner. I, I don't know why I thought that was so funny, but it really was funny to me every time he said it. I think he just wanted to fight Namor. That's it. He just, yeah, want, he just wanted honestly. To, he just wanted to beat the brakes off of Namor. And I feel like everybody does. Uh, then he's like, well, wait, is it the Hulk? Because, like, there's a giant hole in this one building. So it pro this is as big as the Hulk. So Spider-Man, it seems like in the dialogue he's getting a little, like, nervous. And then this is where he stumbles across the Juggernaut. And he's like, oh, shit, okay. And he basically is like, okay, well, I can probably stop him if I, like, swing a certain way and put all my power into, like, bouncing and kicking him into the ground. And he tries kicking him into the ground, and he literally bounces off and goes far as fuck. Dude, yeah, all the way up to the top of a skyscraper. Yeah. This is fucking unbelievable. Just imagining the kind of height that he's getting from that. A true, like, superheroine-looking leap, honestly. Yeah. And then on top of that, he even said that, like, um, if he, he, he was close to being knocked out, but he had to hurry up and think and land on his feet up there because if he didn't he would have just landed straight on his head spider-man had realized that there were still at least 10 pages left of the comic and he can't get knocked out now yeah he can get out knocked out at the end so yeah, shit. a little bit closer to the end but he's got to stay up right now the plot really needs him yeah madam web really needs him especially madam web <laughs> madam web really needs also can we talk about the fact that madam web just lives in a fucking a random apartment building. It's a ratty ass apartment. It's a ratty ass apartment that has all this uh, fucking expensive ass equipment. Come on, Madam Web. You could have had a penthouse at least. I, I would have imagined um, that she wouldn't even have been a, a dimensional being that would just lived like three yeah. blocks from the Daily Bugle. You know what I mean? Yeah, that didn't. That wouldn't make sense to me. Or at least have it so she had like a whole little layer. Or on top of that, I wouldn't have expected her since she's so fragile. Wouldn't you think she would have had like a security system or something? Yeah, Spider-Man. Purple <laughs> Spider-Man is a big old toesy feet. <laughs> yeah, Spider-Man was her plan. She was just like, you know what? I don't really care. Whatever, whatever the fuck Spider-Man's doing, I'm just going to call him. And have him come help me, <laughs> like a grandparent. What else you got going on? He, nobody likes Spider Man. They don't invite him places. Also, Soups, if you didn't know, Spider Man in the comics, he did not want to be an Avenger. Uh, Spider Man in the comics, he like was a loner and he didn't really fuck with people, so he didn't really like working with the Avengers much until much later. So at this point, nobody was inviting him. The only pe people who was inviting him was the Fantastic Four. Mm-hmm. Because mm. they was besties. But, like, other than that, Spider-Man was like, oh, I guess I'm going to just stay in my little neighborhood. Chilling, doing my own little Spider-Man stuff. I don't really own Hell's Kitchen. That's that's a Daredevil scene. Yep. Don't really have a... Where, where is he? Queens? 
Yeah, Queens. Is it Queens? A little bit of Manhattan, yeah. So this is just all fucking... Yeah, I guess that makes sense where we are geography-wise, too, where they're fucking up all around Central Park and shit, yeah. Yeah. So (laughs) Spider-Man is then like, okay, cool. Well, I'm going to try my webs. And the Juggernaut has a private force field around him. Yeah, I didn't didn't get that either. Like, Uh, uh. this guy's like purely indestructible. When you put stuff like that on him, do you any any does that stick with him past these comics? Do you know? The thing is though, I I, I want to say yes, but I also want to say no because I know that like they still keep him like even today, the Juggernaut is like okay that bitch is indestructible. You're you're gonna be fucking dead, uh if you fight the Juggernaut probably more than likely right. Your best bet is to get his helmet off and then get a freaking telepath to help you out with that shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but. I don't know if it stays or not. I think it might have. I don't know. Okay. Well, it it, it definitely made a, a huge difference for Juggernaut during this whole battle between him and Spider-Man because Spider-Man can't do anything to this guy. At all. And then Spider-Man then tries to, like, web a wall in between some buildings. And at this point, I'm t- I'm, I loved the narration that followed while he was doing this. Spider-Man webs these walls uh, around two buildings, and it the narration is talking about how the strength of his web is astounding a single strand is like a piano string and the webbing doesn't fail now the webbing itself it didn't snap or anything but the juggernaut is so strong and the entire time he's unfazed and i think at this moment we also learned he wasn't really paying attention to spider-man he didn't even fucking realize spider-man was there he just thought random shit was happening to him and the webbing snaps off the building and the juggernaut keep, keeps walking. Yeah, it wasn't any of the web at all, but the buildings were just so unprepared for anything of the juggernaut, bitch. Exactly. So Spider-Man then assesses the damage, and he learns that he... Well, we learn as the audience, we learn he's expended like a good chunk of his web fluid. Like we, He's expended a shit ton of, because of it, so he's running low. He then gets the idea to move ahead, and at this moment, I was like, okay, this is some Looney Tunes type of shit. I was just going to say this is some Wile E. Coyote type shit. This is some Looney Tunes shit. So Spider-Man moves ahead, like, maybe, like, a couple blocks ahead because the Juggernaut is just walking, not giving a fuck still. And he decides to make a hole in the middle of the road to, for the Juggernaut to fall into. And I'm like, Spider-Man, really? Of all the things to do, okay, all right, I Yeah, now, now he's committing a whole bunch of public damage. Like, we're not already going through stuff like that. Listen, exactly. That irresponsibility. Hey, he, waste he, of power. But but you gotta save Madame Web. Selfish, selfish. But you gotta save Madame Web though. Yeah, but like now, no one can use that street. On top of like the past block and a half that you have now also covered in web fluid. The web fluid dissolves in an hour. See, yeah, okay. Well, hour. Sometimes it's a couple hours. You True. know, it changes. Well, I think I guess like later on when he makes stronger web fluid, it lasts even longer. I think maybe like three hours max. Which also kind of feels like a downgrade then of anything. Um, I get that that maybe the the webs are stronger now than before, um, but I feel as though it also would have had a better cooldown dissol- or or a better dissolve time, mm-hmm. uh, as opposed to it lasting forever. But regardless, it's still like an hour. Where, like, people's apartment buildings are covered in that shit right now. Exactly. Spider-Man, uh, again, that's what I'm saying. The blind responsibility for Madam Web is getting so far into his head that he's not thinking of anything else around him. 
Yeah, no. Juggernaut's walking down towards the hole. Doesn't even give a shit. Doesn't even notice that there's a hole. <laughs> Some Looney Tunes type of shit. And Spider-Man's like, okay, you know what? Okay, it's time to distract him. And Spider-Man just, just you know, jumps ahead on him and is like, hey, hey, Juggy, how you doing? That yeah, type what, of shit. What was the line? He said, he said a particular line, and I don't remember if I wrote it down. Oh, yeah. Yeah, to distract him, he asks the Juggernaut if he wants to play catch. And it fucking works. The distraction works. I don't understand how that works. That's the only thing that he says to Juggernaut to throw him off guard and fall into the hole. You want to play catch? But wait, it's the fact that the Juggernaut even acknowledges that the hole is there. He's like, literally, he's like, dude, what's your problem? And he's like, oh, you want me to fall in the hole? And then he falls into the hole. <laughs> and, and then while he's down there, he's like, do you think this can hold me? Takes like three steps. Nothing. Uh, he's like, nothing stops the juggernaut, bitch. Well, he doesn't say bitch, but like, hey. Would have made the comic so much better if he did, though. Do you know where that statement came from? Uh, it came from the movie, did it not? Or no. did it come from a comic prior? No. Where did it come from? There was this uh, YouTube video or this video. Well, actually, no. Yeah, YouTube. It was YouTube because the movie came out in 2006. There was a YouTube video that was going viral, and it was like someone who like voiced over some clips from the 90s show. And they were like, you can't hurt me. I'm the juggernaut, bitch. You know who you're fucking, play, who you're fucking playing with? Like that type of shit. So, yeah. So, it was a callback to a YouTube video? Yes, it was. Wow. Yeah. And that was the the shitty X-Men one, right? Uh, X3, yeah. Interesting. They called back to it. Interesting how those two uh, coincide. <laughs> it's so odd. The shade. The shade. All right. So he's down there, and then he gets up, and Spider-Man monologues um, only one way to stop him. He then hops in front of him. And so, so okay. At this moment, I feel like we're supposed to just believe this is Spider-Man's, like, final, like, hurrah. He's like, listen... I got nothing else. I'm just going to just try to beat the fuck out of this dude. So Spider-Man hops on top of him, and you then, like, the way it's drawn, it's, like, how, like it's supposed to convey emotion. So I'm assuming Spider-Man was going as fast as he can because he can, he's fast, mm-hmm. and he was just trying to punch him and wrestle him and move him around or whatever. The Juggernaut is still unfazed and is still walking, and Spider-Man is doing this. Spider-Man is getting very, very tired from doing this. And then Spider-Man then tells him, you know what, I, you know what, if you don't stop, I'm going to stick to you, right? <laughs> and the Juggernaut is like, all right. Then he grabs Spider-Man's leg, and Spider-Man's like, wait, 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 why, why do you got my leg? Juggernaut then walks right through an entire big-ass skyscraper building. Spider-Man is, like, fucking hurting badly. Yeah. It cuts, cuts, like, to the next panel, Juggernaut's coming through the other side of the building Spider-Man's not there we look inside the entire place is wrecked again fucking like Looney Tunes style corny style (laughs) people just injured and then Spider-Man's on the ground like he's like oh my god my back and body and everything just hurts somehow no one has been killed during any of this rampage it's interesting because like this like I read the other part the second issue Mm mm-hmm and it's interesting because, like, it feels like the storyline gradually gets darker. Because, like, I feel like right now is where we start seeing more darker elements, especially when the police come around. Because mm-hmm. up until this point, yeah, no, there's a lot of comedy. Because, like, the fact that Spider-Man is just like, well, fuck. And his first thing is to tell him, I'm just going to stick to Spidey, of all the things to do, you really would have just stuck to him. You could have done some other things. You really think know. that's the brightest idea? That really wouldn't have been the brightest idea. But mind you, you know, he never experienced a juggernaut, so I'm assuming maybe he thought of somebody else. No, he should have went and uh, doubled down and ordered an Acme safe he can drop on his head. 
Yeah. Get a be- bit of that, uh, get some paint and put it over, uh, like a wall and then paint what looks like a bridge or not a bridge. I'm sorry. looks like a tunnel that oh, Juggernaut could have went through. Juggernaut could have gone through the tunnel and mm. Spider-Man could have ran through the wall by mistake. Oh gosh, that would have been great. Just keep going for like 10 more panels of that. You know what? I need a Disney short because they do those movies. I need, I want them to do a Disney short with Spider-Man versus the drug. Actually, I want to say that was a short that they actually pitched. Sony did. Sony Sony was thinking about doing something like that. I don't know. I could be wrong, but it sounds very familiar in my head. I don't know why. Maybe I'm thinking of an alternate universe. I have a question for you. Do you ever feel as though we'll ever see these two characters interact on the big screen? I don't know. I don't, still haven't seen that. I don't think they would do it. Why? Do you think this entire thing could hold the entire movie? Or actually, no. Honestly, I couldn't see it holding a movie, but I could see it being the climax of a movie. I don't know if I could see it being the climax of the movie. I can or see this be being the, the point. No, I, like I can see this being the point when our characters meet a very tough adversity, where the next point of the plot gets us to the resolution, where we go through the second fight again, and Spider-Man learns something by that point. So then he vanquishes. You know, this this is the, this is the middle part of the film before we even get anywhere near the climax I think Um, just because the fact that Spider-Man's not doing anything to him you know like Mm -hmm. as a climax wouldn't really work very well because it's like Spider-Man sucks right now he really is doing bad but like um, say like um, I don't know why this guy's coming up to my mind but say like Mr. Sinister or whatever gets together like a whole group of like mutants in like the new like Marvel movies or whatever you don't think we're going to see Tom Holland and, like, Ryan Reynolds, de- uh, Juggernaut? I don't think... I, I can't see it. I just... The, I, that Deadpool 2 Juggernaut next to Tom Holland Spider-Man, I want that more than anything. I'm going to be real. I think that would just be sick. It would be sick, and I would love to see it. I would love to see it. Okay, well, here's my question for you, then. Why do you think they won't do it? I don't know. I feel like they're not going to do it for a couple of reasons, because time... And then also, like, I don't know. Because, like, personally, if they were going to do it, I would love for them to, like, find a way to incorporate it in, like, a a way that would, like, be a good homage to this story. Now, mind you, Jay, you only read this part. I honestly highly recommend you read the second part to get, like, the full, full thing. Okay. I see you. I see you. But that's just me. So, Spider-Man is in there. He's just trying to get, you know, get his bearings back and everything. And the worker gives him a phone. Gets the phone. It's Madam Web. And Madam Web is basically like, you know, talking to him. She asked, um, I don't really know who he is. However, do you know what the rock, the stone of Ciderac is? Does that mean anything to you? Spider-Man says no, but he says he might have heard it from Doctor Strange. So Spider-Man suggests that she call someone else to help her because he's done. He's tired. He call can't. Literally anybody else suggests that she calls the fantastic four or the avengers or even the x-men and you know we also then she she tries doing this and we learn that they're off world due to other things that are happening in their own books yeah, where are which all I love. people like in space and stuff in different parts of the world but but you know what i gotta say this i love the fact that this is the best way to like connect universes or whatever because it's not just them coming up with a random-ass reason as to why. No, they literally are having shit going on in their books currently, so they're not going to be there. I think nowadays it's easier for, like, 
authors to just be like say oh this story takes place during this time in continuity so they can't possibly ask for x y and z whereas back then they actually like thought about how like okay what's happening currently in continuity so do you know where any of these characters are in their own books at all damon damn you know actually i did some research prior to this and i forgot but um i know the fantastic four they're off world due to some um shit happening with space I know the X-Men are gone because there's something happening with the Shi'ar Empire, so they're in space. The Avengers, I think they're still on Earth, but they're doing something else, though. Do you have an idea where they are on Earth? I forgot. I'm going to say that they are somewhere... Don't say Savage, man. ...in Wisconsin. Oh, okay. Handling some cheese-gimmicked crime of some sort. You know, there was... The cheese man... Perhaps. (laughs) Perhaps. <laughs> there are some Avengers from Wisconsin. I'm pretty sure it's where the West Coast Avengers are. Oh, man. I was just going to ask if it was West West Coast Avengers in Wisconsin. Is it? I don't fucking know. I could but be wrong. Wisconsin is like Midwest. Oh. What are they doing over here? Or maybe San Francisco because I know that they're that, in. That, is a, that makes a lot more sense, but a very big difference. Hey, I'm bad with my directions. They're the Wisconsin X-Men. No. Wisconsin. The Westmen. Keep an eye out for Cheese Man. Coming to a store near you. Oh, no. Watch out. He's <laughs> going to take your Gouda and your, your Parmesan. <laughs> watch out. Oh, he better chatter. He's already taking my provolone. Gosh. Good thing that the Avengers are there to stop him. Oh, my God. All right. So Spider-Man swings over to Doctor Strange's Sanctum Sanctorum. And he's greeted by Wong. Wong. Now, I got some things to say. I got some things to fucking say about this, okay? What do you got? All right, number one, loved, I love Wong. I even love Wong in the comics. However, Wong is fantastic. Wong in the movies and Wong in the comics are two different characters. Two different characters. And, um, whoo, this book, they, they did him dirty. The narrator calls Wong... Doctor Strange's faithful man servant. Mm. Yikes. Now, uh, for the soups at home who will primarily, because I know that we have a couple of listeners who listen to, uh, who watch the movies, but don't really know much about the comics. Um, but for those who don't really know Wong from the comics, Wong in the comics is more of Doctor Strange's companion. He is someone who does look after the house and also helps him with a lot of different things and everything like that. He's kind of like the Alfred to Doctor Strange almost. But he's bald. Don't forget that he's bald. Yes. Wong is bald. And and younger as well, too. Um, over the years, they've done a better job of giving Wong more to do and having less racial stereotypes and everything. Um, for example, I think one of the big biggest Doctor Strange stories that came out in like the early 2000s is called The Oath. It's a very sad story. Uh, Doctor Strange learns that Wong has cancer. Oh, yep. not Wong. And the entire story is Doctor Strange trying to figure out how to best be there for his friend and how to save his friend. Oh, that's that's really sweet. Mm-hmm. That's a nice little story. Maybe a little too sad for the show. I mean, shit, we're going to do it. Do you feel as though if they had shown Wong and Doctor... Or if they show Wong and Doctor Strange 5, how they show Natalie Portman... When she's dealing with cancer, do you feel so the audience will still clap and applaud when they see him decked out and like IV and stuff? You know, honestly, 
I feel like if they were to do that storyline or even try to adapt Doctor Strange to the Oath, I feel like it w- a lot more people would appreciate it and maybe even have a lot more emotional connection because we've spent in, we've sent we spent more time with Wong than we have with uh, Jane Foster in the movies. Yeah, that's true, but she did get a full like applaud when when we first saw her again. Granted though, again, man, cancer's getting brought up a lot in this episode now that I'm thinking about it. It really is. I don't don't think I meant for it to get that far. Hey. <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm dude, I will never live down the fact that people lost their minds seeing Natalie Portman again, but she's dying. Of cancer in the scene straight away. People are losing their minds. Yeah. This is not a time to lose your minds. There's, by, that happens at Doctor Strange 5 with Wong. Happens any point with Wong, I'm walking out of the theater. That's how I know that the movie's just not going to be good. I feel like if they would have did it, like, you know, gradually. Or maybe, what if they revealed it at the end of a movie? It'd be pretty decent. That Wong has, like, like the, the character has cancer, but at the end of the movie? Like, it's something that he learns, and they're going to pick it up in the next movie. Oh, that would be awful. I mean, yeah, but storytelling. Yeah, that works for like a soap opera where you come back next week. Well, well, Jay, comic books are kind of like soap operas. Well, I mean, okay, yeah, if you do it in a comic book, but these movies take like four to six months to come out in a time. Okay, true. Tell someone to wait six months on that. They'll be like, well, Wong's already dead. All right, true. Points. And they come back in the next movie and he's like, my cancer's healed. Like it's gone. I'm in remission. <laughs> It's like that's cool. What a cool fucking cliffhanger! All right. Like that... imagine, imagine if at Endgame it started when Hulk does the snap, right? And it's just the final battle with everyone coming back. Like that—that's what they do with Wong. Oh my gosh. Okay. This is taking a bit off the rails. This, this is a special episode. A little, right. <laughs> a little off the rails. Oh my gosh. Okay. So. So, so we go see Wong. We go see Wong, and he's there, and it says in the narration that he's busying himself with cleaning the residence of Doctor Strange. Yikes. All right, Spider-Man gets there, right? And he's like, hey, Wong, what's up? Um, Is Doctor Strange, like, there? And Wong says, no, the master is gone. Yikes. Calling a master, too. Okay. Yep, yep, not cool, not cool. Do we know where Doctor Strange is at all? I think in the book they also did a little blurb at the bottom and tell you where he was at. I Yeah, I do remember that they said, like, issue numbers and stuff, but I don't remember where exactly they said he went. He's probably fighting Dormammu. I think that might be it. I could don't know. Be, could be doing some Dormammu-related thing. Yeah. At this moment, I actually was noticing... I enjoy J.R. John, John Meter Jr.'s art and how Spidey just looks. Like, his Spider-Man eyes look angry. And it's, like, perpetually angry, but, like, not in a bad way. Like, did you notice that? I kind of. I guess I've never really looked at his angry, per se. But I do get what you're saying, though, with how he looks here. I know for a couple of the comics that we've talked about now, we've highlighted specific panels or art where we're, like, this is an iconic moment for the character. But this really is, like, an iconic look of Mm Spider-Man. And he does get shown, especially in this comic, like really really well done in a way where these particular issues do have and again just because of how popular the art has stayed throughout the years a timeless feel to it in Mm -hmm. a way where it's like I see this everywhere still you know even though it's been done in a more like modern take 
Exactly. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's always going to look close to how this character is. The status quo kind of set with this, you know? Kind of exactly. like with the uh, Joker and Laughing Fish. Exactly. Exactly. Um. Okay, so... Wong then suggests the Ant-Man. Oh, yeah. The Ant-Man. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, well, well, I wouldn't recommend him because we were here a couple episodes ago. He's a prick. An asshole. He know. is a real douchebag. Don't call Ant-Man. Dupli- Ant-Man's awful. Actually, he's a duplicitous fuck. Duplicitous fuck? Remember, that was the... Yes! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he is. Yes, he is. Fucking prick. Nobody likes him. Exactly. You're going to be stuck... Uh, what is it that he was doing? The control room? He's going to be stuck in the control room forever. Oh, gosh. All right, so then, you know, Wong suggests the X-Men. Madam Web calls the X-Men. She then tells Spidey the X-Men are gone. Spider-Man is the only fucking hope. All right, so Spider-Man at this point... Now, it was literally at this moment where I was like, okay, shit is hitting the fan now. This is where I felt like the stakes were ramping up. Did you get those vibes, too, or no? Yeah, no, this is where it definitely feels as though that there's a bit of a tonal shift yeah. In the story where things are starting to get into a uh, faster gear, uh, or at least that we're shifting gears into being a bit more serious, because uh, this is when Spider-Man's really just out of ideas now and is realizing that it is really all up to him, and this might be way too out of his ballpark to accomplish. Exactly, and I honestly think this is like one of the first stories where Spider-Man had to deal with something that he couldn't stop alone um like yeah people have died in situations where it wasn't like you know he did the best he could but in those situations it was like an a force that he was a match of and they got they just got the better of the situation whereas this person isn't a force that he can actually like beat uh but you know yeah what were you gonna say i was also gonna point out that this is also isn't too long ago from the events that just happened with Gwen Stacy and a couple other deaths. Exactly. Like, only, like, what, about a year or so? Uh, a couple years. A couple years. Yeah. Not, not too long ago. It's it's something that still lingers on his mind because he does bring it up a little bit later. Um, so also having that stuff kind of running through his head around this time, like, it, this is definitely when we're seeing him at, at another fragile state for sure. Yeah, were you curious as to, like, what age or point in Spider-Man's life this book took place, Jim? This has to be early 20s. At this point, he's in grad school, so he already graduated. So he'd probably be, like, 23. Yeah, yeah, he's he's rocking my age. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he's, like, our age at this yeah, point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and Gwen died, I want to say, freshman or sophomore year of college for, so like, a couple years. Yeah, it's been a couple years since she died. See, when... Spider-Man was 23. He was fighting the Juggernaut. When I was 23, I was recording Super Saturdays with my buddy Damon in his car. Exactly. And we're also fighting debt like Spider-Man, too. Get on my level, Peter Parker, you bitch. (laughs) All right. So, yeah. Oh, God, this book was just getting getting good. At this point, we learn that Spider-Man tells Madam Web and Wong to call the police. We then see in the next panel that the cops, the FBI, the SWAT, the army, everyone is out there. They're trying to stop the juggernaut. They start with their guns. They then use bazookas, RPGs, tanks. Everything they have. Everything. He's just walking through it. He tramples every single last one of them. He then breaks down the door of the apartment building. Spider-Man has already been there inside. 
he is inside of uh, Madam Web's apartment. Yeah, fuck all these uh, cops and military people. I guess those aren't part of Spider-Man's responsibility. Exactly. They did not call him. It's a, it is a first call, first show kind of basis. Exactly. So he's in there with Madam Web. He then he webs up the steps to get upstairs to her apartment. That ain't doing shit because the juggernaut is like, okay, I don't feel like tearing this down. So instead, I'm just going to tear off the wall that's connected to the webs and then <laughs> walk like, up the fuck steps. fuck this, man. Yep. It's just obnoxious at this point. He's coming up the steps, which how the fuck could the steps hold him? I don't understand that. He's huge. I was also wondering that, especially when you think of all the other stuff he has just done to get to this point. Exactly. Eggs fucking exactly. So Spider-Man is in there, and at this moment, I'm like, this man is desperate because even in like the way i was reading it i was like okay spider-man is like oh shit we are going to die it, it kind of felt like a horror film almost you know uh so he's in there with madden web and then madden web is just sitting there all calm and collected and spider-man is then like shit um okay i'm webbing up the door this isn't gonna help us hold him do you have anything in here we can use she then says in the door right there the closet right next to the door there is an extra generator and he then just, he then gets the idea of connecting the generator to his webs. The generator has enough power to possibly kill two rhinos. Cool. Now, two rhinos as and two Marvel rhinos, two like rhinos that you see in the zoo or in the wild, two uh, ECW superstar rhinos. What size rhinos we talking here? We're talking rhinos, Jay. Thank you for clarifying it. No problem. Okay, so at this point, the juggernaut then gets up those damn steps, and this is the funny. This is this is the part of the book where I had to put the book down because I was literally dying of laughter. He gets to the door and he's just like, "I've come for Madame Web." Spider Man from behind the door says, "Suck an egg, Juggy." <laughs> basically tells him to just fuck off love it love it because how often do you hear somebody say suck an egg wow okay oh. oh my goodness oh yeah oh gosh we need to bring that back man i want to hear that like shouted at people during the road rage moments i want to hear suck an egg oh, like God. suck a lemon i want to bring that back I feel like it's one of those things where, like, if someone said it, you'd be like, damn, you'd be taken aback. And also, it'd, be, it'd still be really offensive. Like, for example, the word that I think of is raggedy. Because if you call somebody raggedy, they'd be like, oh, I ain't, huh? Yeah, but how, how do you how do you uh, get both the word raggedy and the phrase suck a lemon into one word? Raggedy one, bitch, one... go suck a lemon. Oh, shit. Yeah, I would be like, whoa, fuck. Exactly. That would kind of cut deep in a different level. It, see? See? because that citrus yeah. all the acid from that lemon and then you got the cuts all over you because mm-hmm. you're raggedy there you go that's what i'm saying that's mm-hmm. what i'm saying all right so <laughs> all right he gets spider-man sitting there he's like fuck fucking juggernaut he's gonna fucking die we're good yeah. we're Try good to set up a trap we're home good alone style we're safe we're safe cool we're good right and then spider-man's like oh shit he's resisting electricity yeah, again, and the door, too, is also, like, a reinforced steel. Yeah, I forgot about that. It is. So it should be, like, it sh- he should be dead. He really should be. The second Juggernaut touches this door, but it doesn't. If anything, it's overloading. Yep, and then, if anything, it's not even slowing him down. He's just still breaking the door apart like it's nothing. 
And uh, at this moment, I put that I don't feel like this story would like be told today, not because it's like controversial or anything. I feel like this feels like a like like the whole issue feels like one of those like I don't want to say filler episodes of a show, but like one of those filler episodes that actually have substance. You know, in, I, in I TV can get show. that. I guess also due to the fact that it doesn't feel as though there's a lot of build to Juggernaut coming, because mm-hmm. we see that build throughout the entirety of this one issue. If we had gotten something, say how Doomsday was slowly making an appearance into, well, when Superman finally faces him, you know, because mm-hmm. I, I believe at the end of those comics it had something like Superman or. Doomsday is coming. It would say something like that at the end of like certain issues or whatever. Um, and then Doomsday did appear, you know, like there was some build to it. Yeah. As opposed to like Juggernaut within the same issue, he comes and he does his mission and we don't see a whole lot of him, you know? I think it still works though because like this is the Marvel Universe and all your heroes are mostly in New York. So some random shit was bound to happen at some point. No, true, true. Like, but I think that's why it feels like filler though just because mm. like there's it didn't feel like we saw an issue or two leading up to this moment it just all led up to this moment in the issue because mm. like straight out the gate madam webb at the beginning is like oh someone's trying to kill me you know so it already yeah. feels like just like a random thing and it, i think that's also by design too mm-hmm. so you have the thought that spider-man will find a way to get over this adversity um which makes it even more upsetting when we get to this point exactly and juggernaut is still like not even like a, a, a sweat has been broken off of this dude you know and he still is just like not really giving a fuck about spider-man if anything at this point he's annoyed but he's not even angry he's just like you are fucking annoying i'm like what the hell and i love that i love how throughout the entire like story juggernaut has just been unbothered and it's interesting that like having this character who knows he's the strongest there is and it's like he knows that he's the strongest there is yet he's like okay well like no one can really check me like right i don't really have like i don't have room to be mad over someone trying to do shit to me because you can't do anything to me you know it's it's interesting it's like it's it's not not something you usually see so the juggernaut gets in there and basically he gets in there and spider-man is like all right okay all right they're about to fight spider-man's ready to kick some ass okay cool fighting in this really tiny ass little ass room madam webb is actually getting very upset because she's like she's basically panicking she's like this is just like my dream Spider-Man is fighting within an inch of his life, but he's primarily dodging the hits and everything. The Juggernaut is still annoyed, and he ultimately causes the roof to cave in on Spider-Man. No spider toes. Yeah. He then gets knocked out. Uh, Spider-Man can barely even get up. And the Juggernaut then starts walking to Madam Web, and he tells her, you're coming with me. I don't want to hurt you. It's, It's okay. He grabs her. Madam Web starts screaming and convulsing and has a seizure. That's because the chair that Madam Web sits in is also apparently her life support. It is. So she can't really be moved like that. Uh, the Juggernaut didn't know this. And at this moment when I first read it, I was like, oh, so is it going to be him feeling bad that like he, poten- like, he po- possibly killed this lady? 
after he says this shit, the Spider-Man is like, "You idiot! She couldn't. She couldn't. She's all like, she couldn't survive. That was her life support. If she can die, she's about. She's probably gonna die right now." Yeah, the Juggernaut then tells says that, "Oh well, she, all right. Okay, I guess she's useless to me now. Then he just drops her like her body on the ground and then leaves. Cold ass shit. Well, hey, you know he's the Juggernaut, bitch. Exactly." And then Spider-Man is like holding that on web and then he says, uh, I forgot exactly what he says, but he call he's he calls the juggernaut a curse word. I think it's like it's a big word and he says fuck, calls him an asshole or something like that. Yeah, there's like a censored Yeah. Sensory little little couple of uh like an at symbol, dollar sign symbol, you know. I wish I would have done, I forgot. But yeah, Spider Man cursing up a storm and shit like mm-hmm. that. And he is stressing the fuck out. He's like, oh, my fucking God. And he then gets the ambulance to come in there after he tries to give her mouth to mouth. Uh, the next pages, we then have the ambulance um, and the police officers talking. And they're saying that, like, she may live, but she might as well have been dead. She's probably going to die. Real touch and go situation right now. Exactly. Spider-Man is still stressing out. And he's basically talking to himself, having his own monologue, talking about how... um this is terrible and that this I'm going to stop the juggernaut at all costs because he almost killed this woman and great monologue oh yeah oh yeah really Uh, gets you set up for what the tone is meant to be for the next issue yes are you curious what happens in the next issue Jack? yeah so what what truly happens after this point I highly recommend you read it it's a very like roller coaster um Spider-Man tracks down the Juggernaut. I think either a day or either the same day has passed. I think it might be within the same day. He tracks... Yeah, it is within the same day because the Juggernaut is then walking, trying to walk back to the boat, and Spider-Man catches up with him. And at this point, in an act of desperation, Spider-Man is doing everything he can to stop the Juggernaut. He even throws an oil tanker at him. Uh, He also, like, throws a wrecking ball at him with his own, like, strength. He does all this extra shit. He ultimately does find a way to stop the Juggernaut, though. Was it love? No. Oh. Was it Howard the Duck? It was a deep, 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 deep pit of cement. Uh Uh-oh. Yeah. Like, uh, Killer Croc, Batman style? Kinda, yeah. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. But it was a very, it, it was really like the, the next book, the next uh, issue was very, very like great. It sounds wild. It is. There's a lot more I'm missing from it, but it was very wild. It was very just like balls to the wall, like action. And it was just very great characterization for Spider-Man. And it really shows just how much he's willing to go for what he believes in and everything. Did you feel as though that there was weirdly a lot of similarities to the feeling between this and our last episode with laughing fish hmm how so um because we meet our protagonist uh before we see what the challenges the adversity that he's about to face so for laughing fish we get a little bit of interaction with batman and uh oh my goodness who was he speaking with again i can't remember her name silver st cloud thank you Talking with Silver St. Cloud. Uh, and then we get into the Joker. And, I mean, granted, there's a lot more subplots there with Rupert Thorne and another Doctor Strange, Hugo Strange. Mm-hmm. Not Doctor Strange. Teleporty Strange. Um, 
and both set up for the main character wanting to have revenge on the villain in the next issue after going through the event of losing someone that they were swearing to protect. So exactly. in the last one, it was the copyright office guy, Francis. Exactly. This one being Madam Web, you know, felt it just felt very similar to that with the next uh, next issues being the more uh, resolution to these stories. Exactly. Isn't it kind of interesting how in the last issue on the last issue of Super Saturdays, you read the second issue in the storyline we were doing. In this one, I read the second issue as well. I did well. notice that. I thought that that was really fun. Yeah. Okay. All right. So overall, though, Damon, did you enjoy this comic? Like, you, this is one of your favorites. I would say I that. really enjoyed this book. I would say I enjoyed the second one a little bit more. But like, okay. when it comes to this, uh, I was telling you this before we recorded it. I was telling you about how like I feel like we should have just did both issues because. I feel like it's a crime to just read one and not the other because it feels like when you pick up the other one, it gives you the full story because it picks up within the same day of this happening. Uh, so it makes it an even longer story. Well, hey, that's, that's what happens when uh, when you do the show like how we like to do the show where it's basically like we, we might as well be just throwing a dartboard at a, at a, or throwing a dart at a board. At this uh, point, with, yeah. with the way how we like to, to pick and choose stuff. It keeps it fun, though. I will say that. But it also leads to points like this where it's like, oh, it's that comic. You know what I mean? Exactly. Um, which, honestly, is why moving forward, Jay and I are kicking around some ideas on how to best cover full storylines. So we won't have to leave you guys hanging so much. We're, f- we're trying to figure it out. Slowly but surely. Slowly but surely, for sure. For sure. So, Jay, did, how did you feel in this book? I really enjoyed this comic, Damon. I thought this was one of the better ones when it came to both its art, the overall story progression, as well as the dialogue just felt very snappy and humorous. I felt when the tone was shifting and when things were becoming more serious and it felt natural to said story progression. And it it allowed this New York and this time in the Marvel Universe to feel very alive, meeting all these side characters and hearing where all these other superheroes are right now during this event. Overall really enjoyed it what about you i loved it um i really think you should read the next issue right and i don't know i love spider-man in the 80s this was literally uh 1982 and uh the 80s is a really good era for the character but not just for the character but for the marvel universe in general honestly for comics in general uh honestly i realized we covered a lot of books that came out in the 80s we have show. we have a th- th- lot of significant things happen in the 80s though for comics true exactly but the, you know the real question is what did you guys think did the amazing spider-man issue 229 nothing can stop the juggernaut hold up be sure to give us your answers by reviewing the show or messaging us on instagram at super saturdays podcast tiktok at super saturdays pod and twitter at super saturdays pc your messages and reviews can make their way onto the show. Also, Soups, Jay and I are planning on doing a special Fantastic Four episode. All of your votes can help choose what that episode's going to be. So far, two of the choices are neck and neck. But we're going to have the polls open for the next week. And once we get the, those results in, we'll announce what we're going to be doing next. This Fair. was Super Saturdays. I'm Damon. I'm Jay Hayward. You can also check Damon and I out on Instagram at Damon underscore 1003 
and at J the Movie Gal. See you next Saturday, Soups. Hey, Soups. Do you enjoy the music here on the podcast? Then why don't you check out our buddy Jake Voigt at jakevoigtmusic.com. Thank you.